The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. So this summer has been a very significant summer for me and for my family. As I've I've told many of you before, uh, Autumn and I, we have two sons. And in just a couple of weeks, we take both of our sons off to college and leave them in California. And so we will officially be empty nesters, which is really weird to talk about it. And I'm still trying to be okay with this whole idea. But knowing that that was happening, all four of us, we wanted to make sure that we had um, some time to make some really special memories um, this summer. And so back in June, one of the things that we did is we took a week and we actually went on vacation to the UP. And, you know, I've been to the UP a, a bunch of different times before, but um, it wasn't actually until this time um, th- that I realized that I actually, I love the UP. The UP is absolutely amazing because, see, there's only like six roads in the entire Upper Peninsula, right? I mean, there's like the 2, and there's the 28, and there's the 41 right up the middle, and, and 75's over here, and there's like a couple more roads, and that's it. So I could actually go places in the UP and not get lost. I didn't get lost once the entire time. It was absolutely amazing. And see, if you are not like me and you do not get lost all the time, there's a couple things actually that you need to know about people like me. This might help some of your marriages today. There's a couple things that you need to know about people like me because, see, we do not get lost on purpose, right? You might think that we do, um, but, but we don't. Uh, we, we do not get lost on, on, on purpose. See, what you think, this is, this is what you think. You think we're just not paying attention. And it's, we're trying. I'm telling you, I promise, we are trying to pay attention. We're just not very, very good at it. The second thing that you need to know about those of us who get lost all the time is this. You don't know you're lost when you're actually getting lost. Right? You don't know you're lost when you're getting lost. You just know that I am are now lost. Right? That's what you know. I, I are lost. And so you don't, I'll say it this way. Um, this is a better way to say it. Like, you don't know where the line was. It's like, okay, over here I knew where I was and now all of a sudden I have no idea where I am and I can't just go back a hundred feet and all of a sudden I figure out where I am, right? You don't know um, that you are lost while you're getting lost because the reality is, is you've actually been lost for a long time, right? And you just don't know it. The, The third thing is this, whatever road you are actually on, that is the road that will determine where it is that you end up. Now, that's really deep, but I didn't see any of you writing that down, right? I thought that was really, that was like really profound there, right? Well, see, whatever road you're on, that's actually going to determine where you end up. See, this is what we're going to talk about today. As obvious as all of these things are in the world of, of geography, right, the truth is they actually apply to our own lives as well. Whatever road we are on, that's actually going to determine where it is that we end up. It doesn't matter how sincere we are. It doesn't matter how often we pray about it. Right? It doesn't matter if you have a whole group of people praying for you to have a safe trip. If you get on I-75 and you go south, you are never going to end up in the UP because that road, right, it just doesn't go there. And again, as obvious as this might be in the world of geography or the world of driving, for many of us, we are just completely oblivious to the fact that this also applies in other areas of our lives as well because we're all on certain roads, right, when it comes to our finances, We're all on certain roads when it comes to our morality. For those of us who are married, we're all on certain roads when it comes to our marriage relationships. If you're in a dating relationship right now, you're on a certain road as far as that dating relationship is concerned. See, here's something else that every single one of us knows, 
and that we've experienced before, but we rarely actually stop to think about. And that's the fact that all relationships are ropes because they all lead somewhere. Now, this is what's known as a principle. Now, a principle is not a rule that you follow. It's not a law that you break. A principle um, is not something that you choose to apply. Um, In fact, this is the hard part about principles, is a principle will actually apply itself to you whether you know anything about it or not, right? So principles can be a little harsh. There's not a lot of grace. There's not a lot of wiggle room when it comes to principles. Principles are actually invisible, Right? And they kind of work in the background of our lives. Principles can be explained and they can be discovered, um, but they're not invented. Instead, right, you, you discover a principle, you experience a principle. Now, for many of us, the very first time that we bumped into this whole idea of a principle was way back in middle school in science class, and you learned something about Bernoulli's principle and the reason why airplanes actually fly and they don't come crashing down, or at least they're not supposed to, right? And so, again, this is kind of the nature of a principle that's always at work in the background, whether we understand it or we know about it or we recognize it. Or not. And so today, uh, we're going to begin by looking at a section of Scripture which contains uh, for us a very, very powerful principle. It's a very simple principle. Um, it's found in Proverbs chapter 13, which if you're using one of those Bibles in the seat back in front of you, is found on page 1003. Now, this uh, first section of Scripture that we're going to begin with today, um, again, like I said, is a very, very simple, it's actually very easy to memorize, it's easy to learn. But even though it is simple, it actually communicates to us a very, very powerful truth, and it explains um, one of the many ways, one of the the many, many, many ways that our Heavenly Father is actually at work all the time to change us and to transform us into who it is that He wants each of us to become. We're going to begin reading Proverbs chapter 13. We're going to begin at verse number 20, which says this. He or she, right, who walks with the wise. Now, this phrase, walks with the wise, this means, right, to do life with, right, or to, to live life with, right, to be connected to or to surround yourself with. He or she who walks from the wise grows wise. That when we associate with people who the Scriptures would describe as wise, that that kind of wisdom is, in fact, contagious, that just simply by nature of proximity that you and that I, we will become wiser people, you will become a wiser person, um, simply by being in the company of people that are considered to be wise. Now, knowing that, understanding that truth, it's very important for us to know the difference between uh, what it is what Scripture says and what it means when we talk about a wise person, because as many of us know, right, there's a big difference between simply being wise and accumulating a whole bunch of knowledge, right? We talked about this a little bit last week. According to Scripture, a wise person is a person who actually understands that all of life is, in fact, connected, right? That the dots actually connect, that my past somehow is connected to my present, and my present is somehow going to influence or impact my future, that there are no isolated events, There are no isolated habits. There are no isolated thought patterns. And there are no isolated relationships. That all of life is, in fact, connected. 
And see, this scripture teaches, as well as other scriptures in both the Old and New Testament, they both teach, that this kind of wisdom is, in fact, contagious. That, In other words, when you are around people who are wise, as the scripture describes wisdom, that this kind of wisdom just falls off of them, that you will kind of bump into that wisdom just simply by being in their presence. Do life with the wise, and you will become wise. Now, again, not only is this true, this is also incredibly powerful. And the second half of the verse is equally as profound because it says this. But a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, if you stop and you actually think about this for a moment, if we were going to write this proverb today in our language, we probably wouldn't say this right here. If we were writing this down, we would probably say something like, walk with the wise and you will grow wise, and if you walk with the fools, you'll become a fool. Right? We would probably say something like that. But I want you to notice that is not at all actually what your Heavenly Father is saying in the Scripture. Right? What your Heavenly Father is giving to you, what he's giving to us this morning, is a warning. Right? It's not a threat. This is not a threat of any kind, which is actually more of the reason why I think that this is just evidence, right, that this actually came from your Heavenly Father in the first place. This is evidence, right, what he is saying to us in the second half of this verse is fundamentally different than the first. But if we just glance at it, And if we kind of assume that we understand it or we assume what it is that he's trying to say to us, then we can very easily miss the warning that our Heavenly Father is trying to give to us. Because the warning is this, right? That the companion of fools or the person who does life with fools or the person who who is only surrounded by people that the Scriptures would describe as foolish, and we'll talk about that more in a minute, that person will eventually be impacted by the behavior of the fool. Right, which means, which means for all of us, right, me included, if, if we spend a majority of our time or if the only people that you surround yourself with in life are people that the scriptures would describe as being foolish, right, then eventually you will be impacted by that. That even though you may never see the world the way that they do, even though you may never adopt the same mindset that they have, even though you may never do exactly the same things that they do, eventually you will be impacted. In fact, your Heavenly Father wants you to know you're going to be harmed. And He does not want to see that happen to you. You're going to be hurt by their behavior. And see, this is why understanding this is so important, because many of us, me included, right, I can look back on my own life, and, and maybe you, like me, if you think back to your past, uh, maybe you, you, you defended, like I defended, unhealthy relationships by saying something like this, right? I'm, I'm, I'm never going to do what they do. I'm never going to think the way that they think. I'm never going to participate in whatever it is that they participate in. So therefore, right, therefore I'm safe. But what your Heavenly Father wants you to know this morning, the warning, the flashing lights He wants you to hear and see this morning is, listen, you might believe that, but that's not true, right? That's not true eventually, right? If the only people that you surround yourself with, if the only people who are, who are in your life are the people that the Scriptures would describe as foolish, then eventually you will suffer harm. In fact, the truth is, for many of us, right, for many of us, especially, you know, parents, right, we can look back at at times in our own lives, right, and and we can think uh, about situations either from our own lives or the lives of people that, that we care deeply about, 
right, who were actually harmed because they were with the wrong people in the wrong place at the wrong time? Right? If you're a parent, I mean, this is, this is the thought that actually scares you to death, isn't it? I mean, if you're a young adult or a teenager, I mean, this is the thought that should scare you to death. And I said that we would define what a fool is, and this can be tricky because you don't call somebody a fool, right? We don't talk that way. Hopefully you don't talk that way, um, right? You don't want to say those kind of things. Um, but, but the Scripture is actually pretty clear when it talks about what this, what this means. The Scripture always defines a fool as someone who knows the difference between right and wrong, but they don't care. They, they know the difference between what's right and what's wrong, but either because of pleasure or because of financial benefit personally or just simply because they want their own way, they choose to do what's wrong. They choose their own way. A foolish person is a person who knows the difference between right and wrong, and they choose to do what is wrong. Now, the, the pushback with this whole thing is like, okay, Joe, it just sounds like you are being so incredibly judgmental right now, right? And now, this is important, so I want to, I want to talk about this for a, different, for a moment. Th- this is not judgmental, right? This is actually exercising good judgment, right? Big difference. Being judgmental is me forming an opinion about you or what it is that you should do, what it is that you should stop doing, right? Being judgmental is actually me setting myself up as a, right, judge. I know it felt like a trick question, but it really wasn't, right? It's like me, being judgmental is me setting myself up as a judge. If I'm judgmental, right, then I'm drawing maybe a harsh conclusion or a critical conclusion about you, maybe based on a half-truth or something that I don't really know or understand, and I'm expecting you to act or behave or do or just, you know, be different, right? But see, good judgment is different. Good judgment is about me, right? Good judgment is about me drawing conclusions about my life, Good judgment is me looking back because of my past experience. Good judgment is saying, okay, what did I learn in that last relationship? What did I learn in that last marriage? Good judgment is what, did, what was I most tempted in in the past or what was I most tempted by in my past? Good judgment right, is me now looking at my current circumstances of life and me thinking about, okay, where is it that I want to end up someday? What's the story that I actually want to be able to tell or talk about someday? See, good judgment is saying, okay, in light of all of those things, right, what is the wisest thing? Not for everybody else to do. No, what's the wisest thing for me to do? See, that's good judgment. And that's different, isn't it? And what your Heavenly Father, what He wants all of us to know this morning, what He wants you especially to know this morning, this is the part I just hope that you don't miss, is that, that regardless, right, regardless of how often you go to church, regardless of, of what even your own intentions might be, if the only people you surround yourself with are people who are going to do whatever it is that they want to do, regardless of what God says about it, regardless of what Scripture says about it, and regardless of what the consequences of their actions may be, then eventually you will be harmed. Why? Because every relationship is a road that goes somewhere. And see, friends who are not careful 
with their life are not going to be careful with your life. And friends who are not concerned about their health are not going to be concerned about your health. And friends who are not concerned and want to protect their marriage are not going to try to protect your marriage. And friends who are not concerned about their finances are not going to be concerned about your finances. And friends who do not care about their future, the last thing that they're ever going to be concerned with is your future. See, this is good judgment. This is wisdom. Right? And this is a big deal. And this isn't just about middle school and high school. This is about all of us. Because friends who do not take care of themselves, they will not take care of yourself. And see, your Heavenly Father, right? your Heavenly Father who absolutely loves you and always wants what's best for you, says, I do not want to see you get harmed by somebody else's behavior. He who walks with the wise, she who walks with the wise, grows wise. In other words, this isn't going to happen immediately. It's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen over time. Whoever walks with the wise grows wise, but if you don't do that in spite of what your intention may be, eventually you will suffer harm. And that is not what your Heavenly Father wants for any of you. Now, years after this proverb was written, almost a thousand years after this, Jesus gives us a very, very similar warning when he says this, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person. Not necessarily a smart person, although they may be smart. Not necessarily a talented person, but they may be talented. A wise person, a person who actually understands that life is connected, that my past is connected to my present, and that in some way my present is actually going to impact my future. That is how wise people think. And so anyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus says, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built now, in Jesus' day in the first century, right, um, when, when you think built, in Jesus' day there were no kits, right? There was no crazy glue. There was no instructions, right? And so built means process. Built means takes time, right? This is discipline. This is repetition, right? This is something that none of us like, which is delayed gratification, right? If you're going to build a house, you have to wait until you finish the entire process, Jesus says they're like a wise person who built his house on the rock, right? Now, in this context of this parable, right, house is like a life. It's everything that you do that matters to you. It's your pastime. It's your pleasure time. It's your relationships. It's your money. It's everything that has anything to do with anything that is important to you. The wise person is the person who listens to what Jesus says and puts into practice what Jesus teaches. It's somebody who's building their house. It's somebody who's building their life on the teachings of Jesus. And then Jesus says this whole on the rock thing, which we, many of us, we miss this because most of us, we didn't build our own houses. And even if we did, we certainly didn't build them on a rock, right? So we kind of miss that. But in Jesus, in the first century, when Jesus spoke those words, in his context of his culture, 
Everybody who heard Jesus speak knew exactly what he was talking about. Because in the first century, this represented a very, very specific thing. This was, this was the hard way. This was the way that there's not going to be any immediate results for the work that's required. This is the time-consuming way. This is like driving downtown every day, day after day, and you see one of those big construction sites, and all you see is this big hole in the ground, and it looks like there's nothing going on, but in reality, there is a lot that's going on. And then Jesus. He also tells us about a second character. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish person. Now, what's a foolish person, right? A foolish person is the person who knows the difference between right and wrong but doesn't care. A foolish person is a person who lives as if life were disconnected, that now is now and later is later, who built his life on sand. Now, this was the easy way. This was the quick way. And by the way, everybody in Jesus' audience, when they heard Jesus say this, they thought to themselves, okay, Jesus, we have no idea what you're really trying to tell us right now, but we do know this. That never works out for anybody. Right? That doesn't go well for anybody. No, that, that Jesus, that never works out. See, this is the easy way. This is the quick way. This is the I want it now way. And the assumption of the fool is, the, is this. Right, that today's weather is going to be tomorrow's weather. And it rarely, if ever, is. And certainly in this case, it wasn't. Because Jesus tells us in verse 27, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Right? The implication here is there is no fix for this. Well, I just want you to fix it. But we can't fix it. When the house crashes down, you don't fix it. You have to rebuild. I don't want to rebuild. Rebuilding takes time. No, I just want you to fix it. No, you don't understand. There is no fix. We have to rebuild. And that's going to take time. And anybody who stands up in front of you with one of these things strapped to their face and inside, even inside the context of a church and who says to you, listen, all you need to do is to pray these magic prayers or say these certain words or do these one, two, or three things and then all of a sudden, right, immediately everything in your life is going to be fixed. Immediately everything is going to be okay. Right? If you hear that ever, you should just go find a different church. Because you are smart enough to know that is not the way the world works. And whoever's saying that to you, they just want something from you. But Jesus, right? In fact, this is why you should follow Jesus. Jesus never says that. Jesus never promises a quick fix. Instead, he invites people to live in a different direction. Because when the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, that first house, that house that was built on the rock, Jesus did not say that house did not fall because those people are so lucky. Right? This is what we think. He's so lucky. She's so lucky. They're so lucky. Right? It always just works out for them. This is what we think. No, Jesus said, no, that house, it did not fall 
because it had its foundation built on the rock. See, your heavenly Father who created you and who absolutely loves you and does not want to see bad things happen to you in your life, he says to you, listen, you do not need a fix. What you need is a change of direction. What you need is a foundation. And and real quick, let me just take a minute and, and tell you about me, right? This is just me for a minute. This is actually the part, right? This is the part that we're talking about today that breaks my heart. Okay, right? Everybody has something um, uh, in, in life, right, that kind of makes you get up in the morning outside of family, right? This is the thing that gets me up in the morning that breaks my heart. This is the thing that drives me. It drives so many of us, so many of you actually in ministry. This is why I spent so many years of my life working with students. It's why I'm still involved in the lives of students today. The thing that actually breaks my heart is when I see people living in a direction that's not going to get them where it is they want to be. That breaks my heart just like it breaks your heart. And you can see this happening, right? I mean, you've seen this. I've seen this. You can see this happening in the lives of of somebody else. In fact, for some of you, it, it might be happening in your life right now, but you don't see it. But see, the people who care about you, the people who love you, they see it happening, and it's breaking their heart right now, and you either can't or, or you, you won't see it for yourself. And it is just absolutely heartbreaking. And see, the thing is, this is not like driving, is it? I mean, you right, you get lost when you're driving, and you lose 30 minutes, right? And, and you just, if you're like me, and you never, you get lost all the time, you just got to learn how to laugh at yourself and call people up and say, listen, I, I'm, I got lost, I'm going to be late. Yes, I know, I've been coming to a small group at your house for six years, but I still got lost. It's the same, I know, you haven't moved. I just keep getting lost, right? But I'll be there. I'm just going to be late, right? You just got to laugh about it. But, but when you're driving, right, you can fully recover, right? No harm. But in life, I mean, you can really be late. You can miss it completely. You miss your 20s. You can miss your 30s. You, you can miss that opportunity to connect with your kids. You can miss that opportunity to connect with your grandkids. You can miss that first marriage. You can miss that second marriage. I mean, you can just miss out on so much, and, and, and you just miss it completely. And see, your Heavenly Father, right, your Heavenly Father, who just loves you more than you understand, right? More than you understand. Even if you, this is how much he loves you, even if you never come to think about him in those terms, even if you never, you know, put your faith in or trust him or any of those things, even if you never come to think about him that way, your heavenly father actually loves you so much that he would send his son Jesus into this world so that you could know, right? So that you could know, so that I could know, so that we could actually know what God is like. And see, that's why Jesus said, if you will just follow me, it's like building your house. It's like building your life on something that is going to last. It's why the invitation in our church is always the very same invitation that Jesus used. It's a one-word invitation, 
And it's not stop, and it's not change, and it's not fix. It's follow. It's follow. Will you follow me? Because, see, following Jesus will eventually, not initially, not immediately, following Jesus will eventually make your life better. And see, Jesus, he offered, he really did, he offered a better life. In fact, he called it eternal life. And the reason he called it eternal life is not because when you die, you get to go to heaven someday. The reason he called it eternal life is because when you embrace the idea that Jesus really is who Jesus claimed to be, all of a sudden your life is taken out of the context of just birth and death, and it's put into the context of eternity. And really, I mean, who in the world would actually make such an offer? Right? But then Jesus, he authenticated his offer to you by laying down his own life for you and then taking it back up again. And see, and here's the thing that, that I know about you. You're going to end up somewhere. Right? In life, you are going to end up somewhere. There is a destination for you in life somewhere, relationally. In your marriage, with your kids, with your family, with your finances. And see, everybody, they end up somewhere in life. In John chapter 14, Jesus says this. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one. No one. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, what Jesus wants us to understand when he says this, when he speaks those, those words, is that Jesus wants us to know that following him is also a road because it is a relationship that leads to a destination. And when you follow Jesus, you will end up somewhere on purpose and you will end up somewhere with purpose. And when you end up somewhere on purpose and with purpose, then you have a life of significance. Jesus said it this way. The thief's purpose, right? The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy you. That's what the thief is trying to do. He is coming after you. That's the thief's purpose. But my purpose, Jesus' purpose, my purpose, Jesus says, is to give them That's you. That's your kids. That's your grandkids. Jesus' purpose is to give you life and life to the full. And so I just want to make that very same invitation to you today. I just want to invite you. I want to extend the invitation to you to simply say, I want, I want, I want to follow Jesus, I want to keep following Jesus. I want to restart following Jesus because I actually want what Jesus is offering to me, which is life. Life on purpose. Life with significance. Now, this past week, a whole bunch of kids got to learn about what it's like to spend life following Jesus. And what they want to do for you this morning is share with you a song. So I'm going to have them all come in right now. 
And this is a song that they've been learning and working on together all week. And the good news for those of you who are parents and grandparents, if you want to take a little bit of Vacation Bible School home with this week, all you need to do when you go home is say, Hey Siri, hey Alexa, play Raise the Game. Hey Siri, play Raise the Game. Hey Alexa, praise the game. And you will get to re-experience all the fun all the joy and all the excitement that these kids have been experiencing all week long as they have learned about what it means to follow Jesus with their life. And so as they get ready to share with their song with us today, we are getting ready for all the excitement that they are going to bring into our lives in these next few moments.